long week for our family. Uh, my, my wife's sister uh, passed away this week, uh, who, who is also the, uh, for those of you who may be guests, who's also the um, wife of our worship and youth pastor. And so last Sunday, Jeremy called me and said that hospice had told him that, um, that Tiffany had taken a turn and um, they just weren't sure what was going to happen and they wouldn't know till Monday because she looked like she had really taken a bad turn and sometimes when that happens a person will rally and recover for a while. Um, so m- Monday I, I called and um, she wasn't doing well so Stacy and I went over and spent three or four hours with the family at the house and um, then came back home and were, were, came home for dinner. We're eating dinner and uh, hadn't had a chance yet to tell our two sons what was going on. And we were telling them. And 20 minutes uh, into that conversation, um, Suzanne called and said she's gone. And she'd gone to heaven. And so it was, uh, it was a really long, uh, painful week for us. Uh, and Jeremy and the kids are out of town and just need some space. It's going to, you know, they've been crisis caregivers for months and months and months. And so it's going to take a while to recover. It's going to take some time. Uh, but I, I want to say on behalf of our family how much we appreciate um, every act of kindness and every word of love, every hug, um, Facebook messages and text messages. and you, you absolutely overwhelmed us with love. I've never seen an outpouring like it in my entire life to our staff and our pastors um, you just overwhelmed us. The things, for those of you who were able to attend the funeral, the things that Pastor Mark said at the funeral, I don't know anybody who could have said them better. They were um, wonderful. And so um, I, I was just reminded how, how special it is um, to be a part of Kingwood Church and how much love you poured out on us. We'll never be able to express our gratitude enough and, um, and ever repay you. There's no way to to tell you what it meant. It just lightened the load a little bit to see a lot of your faces and to feel your hugs. Uh, Wednesday night we had the viewing here. It was supposed to go from 6 to 8. And for those of you who stood in line for over two hours, God bless you. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. We, we didn't anticipate that kind of response and, and really didn't know what to do. But um, I left, uh, my wife and I left about quarter after 10 um, and I don't know how many people came through, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And for all of those of you who could make it, thank you. And those who sent your, your wishes, we're, we're grateful. Uh, right in the middle, about 8.30 or 9, you know, after you, after you hug and cry and, you know, do everything you could do, hour after hour, you, you eventually start to wear down. And uh, about 8.30 or 9, I was sitting here on the front row at the viewing, and I sat down. I just went to sit down, probably for the first time. I just went to sit down to, next to one of our middle school kids at our church. And I sat next to him, and I just exhaled. I went, Whew. and he looked at me, and he said, uh, you okay? And I said, man, I, I'm, I'm tired. I mean, I, this has been a very tough week. And he said, oh, yeah? Try going back to middle school. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. And man, I just lost it, and I thought, oh man, and then, then, then I thought about it, I said, I'd rather go to prison. I'll tell you, <laughs> they'll be nicer to you there, uh, but man, it was, uh, it was just the moment I needed, you know? And, and, and I just want to tell you, 
so many of you have just come along at just the right time and just given all of us just the moment we needed. And that was the one I needed right there. So um, we just want to tell you how much we love you. And to tell you, I was reminded again this week of the difference between a church home and a church family. A church home is the place that you've decided you're going to go to church when you're going to go to service. A church family is when you've centered your life in the relationships in a spiritual family and you laugh and cry and share the best moments and the worst moments of your life with that group of people. And I've never been more grateful than I was this week that we don't have a church home. We have a church family. And I was reminded that life really is better together. Even when life is at its worst, it's still better together. And so I just want to tell you um, how much we appreciate. You could not have done more. You could not have done better. And I just want to tell you that. And we're so grateful. It really, really means the world to us. Um, and, and I want to say this. Even though our church has experienced some really bad things, there is a hope inside this church that this community needs. There, there is a faith. You know what I'm saying? There is something inside this church. God has put this church in this city for this time. And he's put this hope, this message of hope in this church for this time. Which leads me directly to next Sunday, which is our community picnic. And so our ushers are going to pass you, and they're going to hand you an invitation to our community picnic. Now, some of you might say, well, this is the third one that I've got. And the answer I would give you to that is, well, if you've already given the other two away, you need another one. So here it comes. So here's all the details about our community picnic. Our community picnic gives us an opportunity as a church to give this hope that God has put in this church to this community. And so, the, so I want to encourage you to invite someone. We're going to have outdoor water baptism uh, in the afternoon. We'll have a picnic, all first-time guests, eat free. So we want to take care of our guests and, and let them know how much we appreciate them being there. There'll be a lot of food and games and all of that outside. One service next week at 1030, so we'll all be together. And then we'll go after service and we'll um, hang out at the picnic, have water baptism. Might be a, a great opportunity for you to invite your family or friends if you're going to be baptized, not just to the, to the uh, service, but also to the picnic, and we're going to be sharing a, a gospel message. So for those who are maybe away from God or, or have, uh, have walked with God at one time, but may just be far away now, we're going to share a salvation message. Uh, we're starting a new series called Stuck. And uh, so we're talking about those places in life that we get stuck and we can't go, can't seem to go any further. Um, and we're going to talk about that through the perspective of salvation next week. So I really want to encourage you to bring someone with you. In the last 12 months, uh, the last picnic was our biggest guest day. And so it's a great day to invite guests. And if, if you want to be water baptized, um, you can sign up on our website app on your um, info guide. I think at the bottom there's a tear-off. You can tear that off and drop it off on your way out. But it's going to be a great day. So would you just take that card and lift it up in the air? And let's just say a word of prayer this morning and begin to intercede over our city. Lord, we thank you today that you've put this church in this community for this season. And we know that you placed us here for a reason. We are not just here for ourselves. Lord, we are here because this community needs the, the word of hope that you've put inside this church. So I pray that you would not only use this invitation, but I pray you would use the person holding it up. 
that you would set divine appointments this week and you'd open doors that have been closed and you'd open doors for conversations to happen that maybe haven't happened in a long time. Lord, we pray that this would be the bridge that would bring people to a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I also want to say uh, one other thought before I share the message with you. Today's a very exciting day because our Master's Commission students, first year, second year, third year staff, and many of their families who are dropping off for the weekend are all here uh, for this weekend. Uh, If you're not, yeah, yeah, come on, give them a great big hand. We want to welcome you guys. It's going to be a really good year. So uh, we have a... um, an extension campus, college campus in our church where you can go and get a college credit inside the Master's Commission uh, Discipleship Leadership Training Program. So that's what that is if you're not familiar with it. But we're super excited to have all you guys here, your families and, uh, and those of you who will be students. It's going to be a good year. Um, so I want to tell you a story that uh, I think I've shared with you before. But uh, there, when we lived in Mississippi, there was this guy who was kind of salty He's just kind of one of these down to salty kind of guys. And he looked at me one day and he goes, hey, you want a, um, you want a drag race? And I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I don't, you mean in my car? I mean out in front in the parking lot? I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, look, I've got this car I've worked on, and there's a racetrack about three miles up the road. You want to meet me up there one day, and we'll, we'll, let, you, we'll let you race. And I thought, you know, I've never, I've never been into that kind of thing really um, but I thought, okay, well, why not? You know, I'll give it a try. So, so I go up to the racetrack, and this guy's got a souped-up Mustang. You know, it's like it, he did not work on the outside at all, right? It's a kind of beat, you know what I'm talking about? But in, how many of you car people? How many car people we got here? Okay, it was right on the inside, if you know what I'm saying. Now, I'm not talking about a postery. I'm talking about the engine and all that stuff. Man, it was right. And so I'd never done anything like that in my life, and I, I'm up there in the car, you know. I'm holding the wheel. He's kind of telling me what to do. I pull up to the starting line, and it's just strip track, you know. And he said, now look, here's the deal. These lights are going to go down, get the green, you're going to go. And when you jump off the line, if you don't jump early, it's going to catch your time. And, and, uh, and then when you cross the line at the end, it's going to record how fast. And the, of course, you just want to go as fast as you can. And, and you get down to the end, but you got to slow down because not long after the line, you're going to run out of track. And I thought, are you sure this is like a good idea? But, but anyway, I thought, well, I'm here, you know, and this car's doom, 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 you know, it's just, it's just, you know, just thumping. And I'm in this car, and, you know, I'm kind of, you know, you know, I'm kind of like, I've seen it on TV, you know, I know what to do. So I'm in the car, and then, and then all of a sudden, I can't describe for you. It's almost like, you know, when a cat sees a mouse run by, those lights start going down, and I'm just like, yeah, like, I, something's happening inside me. I feel something. What is this? Adrenaline starts to blow. And that thing hit green, I said, I just took off, you know, screaming down the track, bump, bumping the gears, you know, moving down. And I'm going so fast. And I'm telling you, everything inside my body was saying, slow down. I mean, stuff's starting to just really cruise by. And I'm getting close to the end, and I'm thinking, there's not enough asphalt. There is not enough asphalt to stop after I get so I, So I backed off right before the line. Uh, and then he let me do it again. He said, oh, no, no, I'll try. And so he said, that's pretty good time, you know, for somebody who's never done it. And, and I'm just telling you, I got in that car, and I held onto that steering wheel, and I was bumping that uh, gear shifter and running down. It threw my head back, and I went, I think I like this. 
Like I, like I think, I think this is a thing. I kind of, I kind of had that Grinch smile, like you know, I found home. And, and here's the thing: the reason that car would race so well is because it was equipped for it. It had a big giant engine. It had things I don't even know how to explain. It had been overhauled, dual exhaust. It had one of those bump shifters. You don't need the clutch. You just kind of bump it into the next gear, and it goes. It had a roll cage inside. I mean, it was made to do this. And, and that Mustang. Uh, was so fast, and it would do great things because it was equipped for it. Here's the thing. Did you know that God has equipped you for great things? Did you know that? God's equipped you for great things. Too many Christians are equipped for racing, but they're just sort of bumping around like a golf cart. You're a race car. You're not a golf cart. You are made to do great things. See, there's this cancer that eats away at the body of Christ, and it's the belief that says, well, I'm unqualified. I'm not equipped. I'm not ready. I didn't go to Bible school. Christian faith is this big, gigantic thing, and it's so huge. I don't want to mess it up, or I don't want to mess anybody else up, so I'm just going to not do anything. And, and what happens too often is too many Christians sit on the sideline their whole life waiting for a spaceship to land on them, waiting for something to happen that's never going to happen to say, oh, by the way, God can use you to make a spiritual impact on someone else. The question I have for you today is, if you're not ready now, when will you be ready? And how will you get ready? So here's the question this morning. I'm saying to you, God has equipped you. The question is, why has God equipped you? I'll give you the short answer than the long one. The short answer is, because he says you are. You are equipped because God says you are. Here's the long answer. I've got ten things that God has done to equip you, and I want to encourage you to take notes this morning. Now, if you don't take notes, it's not a big deal. You'll just have to sit at the kids' table at heaven. Outside of that, it'll be totally fine. It'll be no problem. So let me give you the ten things the ten reasons that you have been equipped by God to make a spiritual difference. If you've been following in this series we've called Unique, we've been talking about how God made you unique. The first four thoughts are just a summary of the series. And then we'll get to the other one. So number one, God equipped you to make a spiritual impact because God made you. What does that mean? Genesis 1.27 says that God made you in His image. So if God made you in his image and God is a spirit, then God made you spiritual and he gave you the ability to have a spiritual impact on other people because God made you in his own image. So God made you. God has equipped you by making you. Number two, God equipped you this way. God saved you. You have a unique identity as a son or daughter of God. Look, usually when you and I hear somebody's testimony how they became a Christian if we hear a really powerful testimony it usually has something to do like this like the person was you know delivered from uh, drug addiction alcohol abuse poverty violence adultery brokenness anger depression guilt all those kind of things and those stories always move us because it reminds us how incredible God's grace is and it reminds us that none of us really deserve to be Christian I mean you can't you can't do enough good things to make yourself a Christian. That's not how it works. 
Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it this way. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. In other words, this is God's gift to you. And this is not from yourselves. You didn't generate it. It's the gift of God, not by works, nothing you can do, so that no one can boast. So a lot of times when we talk about the salvation experience or, or being a Christian, we're talking about all the things God saved us from. But watch this. Look at verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good work. So you haven't just been saved from something. You've been saved for something. What did God save you for? He saved you so that you might have a spiritual impact. Your salvation is part of the equipping that you need in order to make a spiritual impact on the people around you. So God made you and he saved you. Number three, God gifted you. Romans 12, 6 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. See, God's given you spiritual gifts so that you can make a spiritual impact on those around you. I, I was so moved this week by the story that Pastor Mark told um, at the funeral. So uh, a couple months ago, uh, Jeremy was away at uh, youth camp. And um, a couple ladies in our church stayed with Tiffany and took care of her. It was a, it was a lot of work. It was a big sacrifice to do that. Um, those ladies lead a life group in our church called a Bible, Bible Art Journaling. In other words, what they try to do is they try to take a truth in the Bible and, and paint a picture. Like, what, what would the picture look like if this truth could be seen graphically? And, they, and that's a, it's an artistic expression. And so here's what they did. They, they worked with Tiffany and said, even though she wasn't, you know, it was hard for her, can you paint a picture to give each one of your three children? And they helped her paint a picture. And then they said, are there any words that you'd like to use to describe each one of your children? And they were able to work with her to get her to, to leave three words, to write three words that describe the, the personality or character of each one of her children. They had no idea, none of us had any idea, that within just a couple months, Tiffany would be gone. But they used that now. That picture and those three words, which are a description from a mother to their children, will be a cherished treasure for those children for the rest of their life. And a part of their mother will live on with them. And you know why? Because somebody used the gifts that God gave them to make an impact on the people around them. There's things that you can do that you look at and you say, well, anybody can do that. I bet they can't. God has given you some unique gifts. He's given you some unique things that you can do. And when you use them for God's glory, it makes a spiritual impact on the people around you. So not only has God uh, made you and saved you and gifted you, He's also, number four, God called you. John 15, 16, you did not choose me. This is Jesus talking, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. See, calling isn't something that's for pastors and missionaries and you know Christian leaders and those type of people. God has called all Christians to be fruitful. And that calling is part of your equipping. 
You, that calling that God has put on your life equips you to make a difference. How? You don't have to second guess. Nobody pushed you into it. It wasn't that you just ate some bad pizza and had a dream in the middle of the night and woke up with some crazy ideas and said, hey, here's what I think I'm going to do. You don't have to second guess this because you've been called by God to make a spiritual difference. Therefore, you can walk in the confidence that it wasn't your idea or anybody else's or whether the idea is right or wrong. You can walk in the confidence that God has given you a mission. So God is, God's calling on your life, on every believer's life, is part of you being equipped. Number five, God put His Spirit in you. He put his spirit inside you. John 14, 16, and 17. This is Jesus talking. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. That's the Holy Spirit. And be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Watch this. But you know him for he lives with you. Now what does it say? And he will be where? He will be in you. Now, that's a, that's, a, that's a gigantic deal. God has equipped you by putting the Holy Spirit inside you if you're a believer. In the Old Testament, people would go through all kinds of rituals and things to try to connect with God. They'd go to holy mountains and the temple and talk to the priest, and the priest would go to the Holy of Holies, and they'd follow the Ark of the Covenant around. And Even Jesus' disciples couldn't be with him all the time because he was one person in one place at one time. But here's what this means for us. It means you don't have to go to a church building, you don't have to go to a temple, you don't have to go to a conference, you don't have to go to a special event, you don't have to go to a special occurrence, you don't have to go to a special person to meet God, because the Bible says God is inside of you. He is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. It's almost like if you, you know the, um, the concept of Google glasses, right? You, you take these glasses, you've probably heard of it, you put them on and you, know, you can overlay different visual things in real time and it's connected to the internet. See, here's the thing, once we get a, it's coming, I don't know when, it won't be long. When we get a technology like that that we're all using, it's not like, how do I connect to the internet? It's like, I live connected to the internet all the time. That's what this is. It's not like, how do I connect to God? God lives inside you all the time. You can live connected to him all the time because he lives inside you. God has equipped you with a personal relationship with him. He lives inside you and he will whisper to your heart thoughts and impressions that will help you make an impact on those around you. So uh, once I was here, um, right here in fact, uh, praying with a guy, this big guy. And he came down and he's, he, boy, his, his heart was... He had, a, he had a lot going on, and he was sharing with me during, during prayer time, and I was just going to pray, and I was listening, and I, inside I was praying, Lord, how, how, would, how, would I, how would I pray with him about this? What, what, you know, where do I start? And, and, I, and I felt the Holy Spirit just sort of nudge me and say, I want you to tell him that he's not a failure. And I thought, I don't, I don't see how that has anything to do with what we're talking about. Okay. Sure. Okay. And I said, hey, um, I, I think that God wants you to know that you're not a failure. And this big 
275-pound guy almost collapsed on me and dove his head into my shoulder and started to cry like a child. It was, it was the exact thought that he needed at the moment. And you know why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in us and can give us whatever it is that we need in the moment. Number six, God also, why are you equipped? Because God gave you special access to his presence. In the Old Testament, there was a very special place deep in the temple called the Holy of Holies. And only the, the highest of the high priests, the you know, special class of priests, could go into that room and he could only go with certain rituals being fulfilled and he could only go a certain time of year and he was the only one that could go and he would go in there and he would offer a sacrifice for the forgiveness of all the people of all their sins. But when Jesus died, all that changed. And, and, and I think we say that a lot, but we usually don't read it. I want to read it. I want to read where it is exactly that that changed. And, and what did it look like? Here it is in Matthew 27. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice. So Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been beaten nearly unrecognizable. He's on his last leg. He's just about to breathe his last breath. He's just about to die. Watch. He gave up his spirit. That's it. That's it. He died. God died. God came in a human body and God died. And what happened the next moment? The very next thing that happened after God died. What happened? Verse 51. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from everybody else on earth. That curtain was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rock split. What does that mean? That means that God said no more, no more, no more, no more. Will you have to go through anybody else to get to me? He tore that curtain from top to bottom. He opened it and he said, everybody has the same access to the presence of God now. See, what happens is God has equipped you by giving you special access to his presence. Nobody has better access to God than you do. If you turn on your TV, probably not so much anymore, but 10 or 15 years ago this would have clearly been true. You turn to a Christian TV station and you see this, this you know, minister or whoever, evangelist or something, sort of hovering over this mountain of prayer request. And he looks inside the camera and he says, now if you'll, if you'll send your prayer request you know, to me, I, I'll, I'll, we'll heap it on top of this pile and I will personally lay my hands on this pile of your prayer need and I will personally pray for it. Now, now what is he implying? He's implying that because he's a minister or an evangelist or a pastor or a TV pastor or whatever, that he's closer to God than an ordinary Christian and that God would somehow be more likely to hear his prayers because he has some special access to God. And so what this TV preacher's doing is he's offering to act as your priest, as your mediator between God and him. 
And here's the thing about that. The New Testament teaches that you, you are your own priest. You are a priest. You are the one that has the greatest level of access into the Holy of Holies. And you know why? Because God doesn't have any grandchildren and he doesn't have any stepchildren. You are a fully adopted son or daughter of God, and you have full access into the presence of God. You don't have to go through anybody else. God has equipped you with special access to his presence. Number seven, just when you think there aren't more. Here's another one. I want to push back on this idea this morning of inadequacy and like I'm not prepared, like God can't use me. Number seven, God made his power available to you. There's a special two-letter word in this verse I want you to focus on, Acts 1.8. But when you receive power, but you will receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes, here's the word, on you. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is already in you. But is he on you? That's a different thing. Every Christian on earth is the temple of the Holy Spirit and has the Holy Spirit inside them. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in you. The question I've got is, is he on you? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end You know what this verse sounds like it's saying to me? It sounds like it's saying that God wants to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to put the power of the Holy Spirit on you so that you may be equipped to make a spiritual impact on those around you. That's what this verse means. God wants to equip you. So I've got to ask you, is the Holy Spirit on you this morning? Number eight, God gave you the Bible. The Bible is a treasure chest of wisdom and truth and revelation. Romans 12.1 says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed from within by a new way of thinking. Romans 10.17 says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Can I tell you something? If you're struggling in your faith, I will tell you the number one thing you can do to grow your faith, and it is read the Bible. And by the way, everybody struggles sometimes. Everybody has doubts. Everybody struggles with unbelief or confusion, or I don't really know, from the, from the strongest Christian to the weakest all the way to the atheist. There's not a person that hasn't struggled with doubt at some point. And I can tell you, if you're struggling, is God real? Is he good? Does he love me? Does he care? You know, what kind of God is he? Is he personal? Is, is he going to come through? Is he going to help? If you struggle in your faith, I can tell you the number one thing you can do to grow your faith is read the Bible. God's word will cause your faith to grow. It will renew your mind. It will give you a new mind. You will look at things differently. It'll give you a new perspective. Ephesians 6 calls the Bible the sword of the Spirit. It is the weapon of choice for Christians. The sword of the Spirit can be used to defeat every lie that the enemy will throw at you and try to convince you that you're not everything God wants you to be or, or whatever. Whatever lie the enemy's throwing at you, the sword of the Spirit 
is the best weapon you've got to combat not only the lies the enemy throws at you, but the misunderstandings and false beliefs that reside in all of our minds because of the experiences we've had. We've all had negative experiences or bad experiences, and those experiences caused us, maybe you had a, a rough childhood or something, a rough marriage, whatever. Those things cause you to adopt wrong beliefs. And it is the sword of the Spirit that will not only defeat the lies of the enemy, that will allow you to do surgery and cut those thoughts out of your mind and put the right thoughts in. God has equipped you with a powerful tool in the Bible. Number nine, God put influencers in your life. God has equipped you by putting people in your life that he, he sat there to make a spiritual impact on you. When I think about that, I think about my mom. Uh, my mom has made a huge spiritual investment in my life. She took me to church when I was a child. She talked with me about salvation, about God, about the Bible. I, I always identify with Paul in the book of 1 Timothy when he says about Timothy that this faith that lived in your grandmother, then your mother, and now in you. Uh, The faith followed that relationship line with me when I was a young person. And the influence, God put my mom in my life to influence me toward him. And if you had parents that taught you about Christ, God put them in your life to equip you. Now maybe you didn't have that, but look, I also think about my youth pastor. I didn't even know what a youth pastor was. I went to a little bitty church with about 35 people, and then I dropped out of church for years, and then I came back as a 15-year-old, and there was something called a youth pastor. I didn't even know what he did. But he made a huge investment in my life. And, and, and God put him in my life to equip me. And then my pastor invested in my life. And I had two friends throughout high school that were really good Christians and they made a huge investment in my life and God put them in my life to equip me. My high school principal, my basketball coach. I had four or five friends in college as I went through college that just uh, impacted my faith, that just invested in me through conversation and friendship and prayer. And, and, uh, and my father-in-law, uh, Ron, who pastored this church 35 years. God put him in my life to equip me and invest in me. And uh, along the years, other pastors and other leaders and other... Look, just begin to think this morning about all the people that have been in your life. Sunday school teachers and vacation Bible school and whatever it is. Think about the the names. Maybe dozens you could come up with. What is that about? That's about God investing in you and bringing people around your life so that you might be equipped. And on top of all that, if that weren't enough, God has given to the church, not this church, all churches, leaders that he has specifically designated to equip you. It's their role, it's their function, it's their call, it's their job. In Ephesians 4, 11, hear it fresh this morning, listen to this. So Christ himself, not, not a prophet, not an apostle, not a, not, a, not a child, not a teenager, not a nothing. Jesus, Messiah, God himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Why did he do that? Look, to equip. God has given the, actually, hey, it's what we're doing right now. This is an equipping session. 
We are teaching and equipping. And every time you come into a moment like this, it is God's way of saying, I want to make you everything I've called you to be. So he's investing in you. Number 10, God also placed you in a church family. 1 Timothy 5.1 Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. What is this verse teaching us? It's teaching us that the church is not some kind of um, random, um, non-profit organization. The church is a living, breathing spiritual family and in this room we have spiritual moms and we have spiritual dads and we have spiritual brothers and we have spiritual sisters and God has put you as I said that I learned again this week not in a church home but he's placed you into a spiritual family and in that family you're not committed to a logo you're not committed to a church name you're not committed to a to an idea, you're committed to a brother or a sister or a mother or a father. You're, you're, you're part of a family. And in that family, those brothers and sisters and moms and dads, God has put in your life to surround you and equip you and raise you up. And you can't become everything God wants you to be without them. Or else why would God have ever organized it that way? 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says it this way. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God has put you inside, not just the church all over the world, but he places you inside a spiritual family just as he wants you to be. What is it about this church, what is it about the moms and dads and brothers and sisters in this church that you need to become everything God wants you to be? Because he placed you here for a reason. Why? Now, here's the question. We could go on. We could go on and on. There's more. I just picked ten. Why would God go to all the trouble to convince you that you are qualified, that you have been equipped more than you think? That you can make a spiritual impact on your spouse, on your children, on those people around you, on your friends. on your. Why would God go to all this trouble? I mean, this is a lot. Wouldn't it be enough just to say, okay, I gave you the church, or I gave you gifts, or I gave you the Bible, or I gave... Wouldn't it just be enough to do one of them? Why all of this? Because he knows the human tendency toward feeling unqualified and unequipped and unprepared and unvalidated. So, I want to steal a story this morning from one of our pastors, Pastor Joel, who's our um, children and outreach pastor. He tells the best story that I want to steal this morning and tell it to you. When he had been, uh, been a pastor a short time, he was at camp one year. And they were praying for somebody, and, and it, it became clear that there was, um, that, that person was dealing with something really dark and, and even demonic. This was, this was bad. And so when he realized it, he panicked and he ran out the door and he thought, i got to go get a pastor. And as he turned the corner, he went, oh, wait a minute. 
I'm the pastor. Like, I've got to go back in there and pray with this person. And I tell that story because that's everybody's story. It's not his story, and it's my story, it's all our stories. Everybody's had that moment where they thought, surely there's somebody else around here that knows more about this than I do. Or has a degree, or studied it, or has the certificate, or has a background, or something. At some point or another, we've all felt like, I'm just a lay person, I just volunteer an hour a week, I'm a newbie, I'm a young Christian, I don't come from a Christian family, I've done a lot of terrible things in my life, after I've done those, how could God use me? And, and you might be tempted to think, that when you go away to like Bible college and get a four-year degree and they hand you your diploma, that those feelings will evaporate when they hand you the diploma. But they don't. And you would think that maybe when you become a credentialed minister or a licensed minister or ordained minister, that when they come and lay hands on you and pray for you and give you a little certificate and you walk away, you would be tempted to think that those feelings would go away then because after all, you're ordained or after all, you got a degree. But it doesn't. It doesn't go away then. Let me tell you when it goes away. It goes away when you embrace the right teaching. It goes away when you embrace the right kind of thinking. It goes away when you begin to understand what all God has done to equip you. All the investment that God has put in your life to make you, that you person, the person that you are. When you believe all the things God's done for you to equip you and you begin to live them out, that's when it starts to go away. You don't have to be validated. You don't have to be credentialed. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have any of that. Think about it. This is the last thing Satan wants any Christian to ever know. Because you know there were nearly 2 billion Christians on earth? Can you believe what would happen to the earth if 2 billion Christians suddenly understood that God had equipped them and called them and gifted them and given him the Holy, give them the Holy Spirit and given them the Bible? Can you imagine what be, would begin to happen on the earth? Well, that's the last thing the devil wants. So there's all the motivation in the world for this not really to get out. Maybe you've heard a, a cliche kind of like this. God doesn't call equipped people. He equips called people. So God's not looking for the multi-talented rock star out there that he says, oh, look, they've got 12 years of education. I think I'll call them. That's not how God works. Every Christian is called. And so what God does is he looks at every Christian and he says, I'll equip you. Wherever you are, wherever you come from, whatever your background is, whatever your pain is, whatever your wound is, whatever you've been through, come to me and I'll equip you. It, does that not sound like the kind of God we want to serve? God will use a child if that child will just surrender. He doesn't need, he doesn't need any of those things from you. God has all the equipment that you need. What he does need is an available heart. So this morning, I want to read 1 Peter 2.9. If I could take one verse and just kind of, that would just sort of tie this whole thing together, it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And by the way, it is written to you. It is written to every Christian who's ever lived on earth. 
And it, it applies to all of us. Here it is. But you, put your name in that blank. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. He, he has chosen you and called you and prepared you to declare this, this wonderful message this glorious message of light and he's called you out of darkness so this morning would you stand I want to pray with you before we go and, and I, I, want to, I want to do our prayer time a little bit different this morning I want to ask our prayer team if you'd go ahead and come. And as they're coming, I, I want before we do anything, I want to pray with everybody like where you are. See, here, here's the thing. Nothing in our life changes until, until we start to act on what we know. So hearing this teaching doesn't change your mind. But when you take a step with it and say, I wonder what I should do with that, something starts to change. And the first step that you can take is you can pray. There's something powerful about you, or you, you stating these things, you saying these things, you praying these things in your own life. That is an action. That is, a, that is an application. I'll take this truth and I'll step into it. And so this morning, what I want to do is I just want to walk you through a short prayer of these ten things. So would you just close your eyes and maybe just open your hands just in a, in a way that you want to receive. Open your heart, close your eyes, and I want you just to pray this with me today, okay? Dear Jesus, today I receive you as my creator. You made me. Today I receive my identity as a child of God. Now let's just stop there for a minute. There may be some this morning that you, you're not a believer or you're far away from God. Man, as you prayed that, I, I, want, you to, I want you to receive a relationship with God. I want, you to, I want you to begin to come back to Him. All right, here's the third one. Dear God, I ask you to help me to find my gifts and use them for your glory. Today, I recognize that you've called me and I accept that call. Today, I honor your spirit that is in me. Help me to hear you. Today, I exercise access to your presence and I worship you. Today, I ask you to put your spirit on me 
Put your power on me. I receive your word and this teaching. Help me to apply it. Today I remember the influencers that you put in my life and I thank you for them. And today I thank you for my church family. Thank you for my brothers and sisters, for the mothers and fathers that you've given me in faith. Help me to both give and receive. In Jesus' name. Today, as we as we move in prayer and then we'll and then we'll dismiss in just a minute. Man, if you have a need of some kind, I want you to come and let one of the prayer team pray with you. Here's why. This church has been equipped by God to minister to you. And I was reminded of that this week so much because so many of you minister to our family so powerfully. And I know that this church is equipped by God to minister to you. So today, I'm going to pray for you. And if you have a need, you, you have something that you need to meet with God on. You have something that you need God to, to do, to touch you, to change something. I'm going to invite you in just a minute to come and let one of our prayer team just pray for you. We're not going to embarrass you. This is a safe place. We just want to pray for you and build you up and strengthen you. And, and let God do His work in you this morning. So if you have a need this morning of any kind, and you need prayer, you need to meet Jesus on it. As I begin to pray now, I want you to come. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for the grace of God that is in this place. I thank you for your presence that is here, moving and changing, rearranging, meeting needs, bringing wisdom, giving breakthroughs, healing bodies and minds, helping marriages and families, restoring relationships. Lord, I thank you that this is a place of peace and a place of a place of victory and a place of hope. Lord, today I pray you would do now what only you can do. Jesus, Jesus. If you need prayer, won't you come? Before we're dismissed, would you sing this course through one more time and just tell God you love him. Lord, today we love you. Lord, we love you today. We bless you. Come on, just lift your hands and say, Lord, I love you today. God, I love you today. And I worship you.